everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this lovely pre-Halloween weekend. Um, Speaking of that, you judged a pretty cool Halloween event. You want to talk about that? I did. So on Thursday night, Diana Bolger at the Fairmont Hotel does her annual Halloween, and it is a puppy costume contest. But people really bring it. I and several other people were judges And uh, there were over 200 entrants. People were dressed up uh, in costume with their dogs. And it was so much fun. The winner, they were dressed as chefs. And uh, their dog was spaghetti and meatballs. Teddy spaghetti. And it was really fabulous. That sounds like the fix was in Oh, my God. It was so adorable. But it was impressive to see all these people. Somebody, A whole group came as the Jetsons with their dog Astro. And uh, there were uh, UPS. People dressed up with yeah. their dogs as packages. Wrapped in boxes. It, it was, was great. Weird. I was my my favorite was the dog dressed as a porn star, but that's yeah. just me. <laughs> that, would, that would be just you. me. Okay. Anyway, it was a ton of fun. And I just want to say last week we had uh Philippe uh Bertrand on. He was mixing up cocktails from Nobu here in DC. And David and I popped by afterwards and we sat at the just sushi bar and we just had such a lovely evening. The sushi was great. Chef Chico is doing amazing things there. So that was fun. I did stop in and see Christiane um, at Iruki, which I haven't been in in a really long time. But We it, actually sealed the deal at Iruki. We did seal the deal. In 1995? I think that might have been the last yeah. time I was there. Well. And anyway, but we had an amazing meal last night, and that was a ton of fun. And I also stopped in Piccolina. I wanted to see what Amy Brandwine was doing with her new space that is now expanded. So delicious, amazing desserts, incredible pizzas, definitely a place you want to check out. Oh, and a great wine list, too. So why don't we actually do the show? All right, let's do it. All right, so we're joined today by a, uh, some really interesting folks. Bill Jensen's co-owner and beverage director of Tail Up Goat and Reveler's Hour and Adams Morgan. He, he's, he didn't bring all his awards in with him, but he was honored mm-hmm. with the Michelin 2021 DC Psalm of the Year Award, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. I was upset there was no like national Psalm pageant for me to you know prepare for and compete oh. in. But uh, next you know. time, yeah, I know I was working One on my second, pageant Bill. Walk. As long as there was a big check, okay. Uh, Lane Levine has done something really interesting. He owns a friendly bear, uh, friendly bread, which launched four years ago as a fresh sourdough bread business. But he he came up with something. I don't. Bread's not even the thing. He's the big cheese. He came up with a way of uh, making and then freezing and then sending home with you from stores grilled cheese that you can cook up in a toaster oven. And instead of becoming a big ball of glop, they they crisp up and they're. And we're going to have group. some in studio. I'm, I'm Let's ready. Go to I'm ready to break my thing. All right. If you're not hungry yet, uh, James Wozniak uh, is owner and executive chef of Macon Malaysian Restaurant in Columbia Heights. He's in. He's a really interesting guy. We were talking to him, but Macon is, uh, is. And we've been there, and we love it. Yeah, it's delicious. Well, it. I mean, it's it. Malaysian food is very complex and yet very simple. Some of the ingredients are so simple, and he really does an amazing job. So mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about that. Macon was included in the Michelin Bib Gourmand list in twenty one and twenty two. Ooh, he's beaming and preening like mm-hmm. a look at that like okay. a pigeon. Okay. okay. And <laughs> chef, uh, he calls himself Stefano, but he's Stefano Marzano. <laughs> 
He's president and founder and culinary director of Mighty Meals. Uh, they make great, convenient, healthy meals. It's a delivery service. So you get them at home. Um, they use all locally sourced ingredients. And all the meals are made by professional chefs in, around the area. So that's a great story. And he's extremely successful. So right. we're going to hear about it. And I but, just want to remind everybody before we get into the show that you do want to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for everything you're hearing about here in studio today. And also check out the list, areyouwanted.com, the online e-zine that has every food and wine event happening what in the D.C. What a shameless bunch of plugs. You could let me finish. Sorry. In the D.C. metro area. Oh, the D.C. metro area. There I'm we glad. go. Okay. So don't and follow me anywhere. I don't want to be followed. What is the point of having a show if I can't promote the other things that's that an excellent doing. point and look at those mm, mm, mm. Okay. okay so but first let's go to bill jensen bill what is your story <laughs> uh what's my we story? don't so, we I only mean, have four minutes I mean, bill were you okay, hanging no, out no, in the, no, in the no, parking so, lot at high school drinking wine what it's, it's no good. no i actually grew up uh stone's throw away from your studio uh on the maryland side of the friendship heights kind of border um, Wait, where'd you go to high school uh go barons bethesda chevy chase boo uh, WJ people, but that's uh, okay. okay. No, that's okay. Uh, I'll forgive you. Uh, you're always very good at soccer, too. Uh, but um, I never imagined pouring wine for a living. It's kind of a fundamentally preposterous way to uh, earn a living. But uh, I got into restaurants after kind of crashing out of, you know, college in the nine to five world. Um, and, you know, restaurants are this amazing artist colony for people that love food and wine. And I managed service for a while at uh, kind of a fine dining joint in uh, Dubon Circle called Comey. And um, I just- Drop, drop, drop. Just called Comey. Yeah. Just, uh, but no, just but uh, I also I saw started putting wine there and, and wine just became, you know, my thing. And But uh, to be fair, I mean, Comey does have a really fascinating wine program and it is sort of a- Bastion, a lot of wine people in this city oh, totally. got their start there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, you could um, do like a six degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah. Some amazing, you know, professionals came through uh, that that dining room, and I had the luxury of working with people like you know uh, Derek Brown and Cat Bangs, and you know befriending Sebastian Zutant um, mm-hmm. and working. Wait, with Sebastian Kyle has friends. Uh, yes, he does. Who he does. That? Mm-hmm. I know. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I was tremendously fortunate to work with who I did, and um, you know, just. Fell down that rabbit hole. And, and how did to you and Jill it. connect and uh, open up uh, Tail Up Go, which yeah, is like so, a favorite um, in this area? Uh, John, Jill, and I all worked together um, at Comey. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Jill managed the dining room at Little Sarah, the sister Thai restaurant. Downstairs, yep. yeah. And we you know, made the decision that a lot of industry people make at some point in their careers mm-hmm. and wanted to build our own sandbox to play in. And um, Tail Up Goat opened in 2016, for the right. sake of that. Well, okay, so why don't you tell us what you're pouring first, or we're already drinking it, and then we'll get into what Tail Up Goat is, the kind of wine program yeah, you built there. Yeah, that sounds great. Um, and I'm irrationally excited to try, not irrationally excited, very excited to try the grilled cheese that I'm smelling too, I which know. should be a phenomenal pairing, incidentally, um, okay. <laughs> with the wine you're drinking. So I wanted to feature some localish wines today, uh, six hours away, the Finger Lakes in mm. western New York, and I have a lot of friends Did you just say there. local wines? Our son went to Ithaca. The drive to Ithaca is not a local drive. Uh, it's a pretty he drive, though. It's a solid. It's, it's like gorgeous. a solid six-hour drive. It's six hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Broadening the definition of local here, but mm-hmm. uh, East Coast solidarity <laughs> at the very least, and uh, America's premier cool weather, grape-growing winemaking region that has a ton of winemaking history 
you know, dating um, well, uh, dating back to well before prohibition. We're drinking to kick things off. Uh, Method Champenois, so essentially domestic champers mm-hmm. um, from uh, Nancy Ireland, uh, who runs the roost at Redtail Ridge, it's which beautiful. is on Seneca Lake. Uh, this is a multi-vintage blend uh, based mostly on an Austrian red grape called Zweigelt, mm. and then uh, Parapinos, uh, Blanc and Noir. Um, it is bone dry. Uh, it is, you know, wildly refreshing, uh, but equally sophisticated. It's good. And it has a raptor on the label, like the <laughs> dinosaur, which is pretty cool. cool. All right. All right. All right. Lane. We'll be back with you in a bit. Hi, Lane. The, so I met Lane because um, his product is carried at Dawson's Market. And we did a uh, Meet the Locals on Industry Night, my other radio show. Uh, with Dawson's Market because Bart Yablonski is amazing at curating local products from He's around the D.C. metro area. That's He's very true. That's and right. that's where Lane and I originally met. And when Lane told his story, I was like, dude, there are so many other things we should be doing together because it's a great story. So not everybody gets into grilled cheese. So let's talk about But we how just you have to start by saying you are not lying. These came in frozen. You cooked them up. They're crisp and delicious and the Cheese is gooey. Okay. You're the real deal. Thank you. You had to get that in there. Yeah. Hmm. I grew up in Owings Mills outside (laughs) of Baltimore. I grew up hating bread and hating cheese and hating grilled cheese. Why? Oh my God. You would have been like the hardest child. I would have been like, what's wrong with you? Bread and cheese, my favorite. I don't want that, mommy. What did you grow up on? Chateaubriand? Uh, my mom would send me to school with a bag of crackers and a bag of lunch meat, and I'd make my own sandwiches on the spot. I oh, just God, I would have killed stand, you at birth. <laughs> I couldn't but. stand soggy anything. Okay. Okay. And um, So you're saying being finicky is the is the, the, the ground for which it's grew? Can you let him tell his story? Yeah, that's I, a great story. I once, once I became older and was open to more foods, I would sometimes order a grilled cheese in a restaurant but I'm still so finicky that there was one time I went to a restaurant and I had to send it back three times because it wasn't melted. It wasn't melted. Oh, okay? well, that's a problem. Yeah. And the cheese needs to be melted. Cheese needs to be melted. And so when I came to the point in my business where I was making a frozen sourdough grilled cheese, you bet that I had to create a product that would melt well, that would... But you started with bread, Yeah, right? let's I go mean, to the beginning. So, I'll go to the beginning. So everybody was making sourdough during the pandemic. I made it first. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I started, uh, I I was in nonprofit work from college until 12 years later. Mm -hmm. And I was a community organizer. I was working on labor rights. I was working on LGBT rights, all kinds of interesting things, but never really was that impressed with the difference I was making. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And sourdough became a side hobby. Bread became a side hobby. Sourdough became a COVID obsession of people because it's a little bit harder. It's a little, it's a actual skill to master. Yep. And it's a challenge. Yeah. And the reward is really great. It's Mm -hmm. a very good bread. It's chewy, crusty, doesn't get soggy the way I hated other breads Mm -hmm. getting soggy in my childhood. So I latched onto it. And at the time I was fed up with not making a difference in the nonprofit world. I said, I need something physical that I can sell to people. And that was the hobby I had at the time. My boss at my last job was my biggest cheerleader. She came and helped me at my farmer's market stand. Really? She was like, it's time for you to, to so, move okay, on. But, so let's talk about it. So you're selling bread. By the way, you're fired. Right. You're selling bread at farmer's markets, and which is an amazing you know, step. 
Yes. So at what point are you like, okay, I can't just do this in my home. I have to do this somewhere. I have to start the whole process. I mean, now you're creating a business model. Yes. So how did you go do that? Before the farmer's markets was selling it out of my house. That was on the weekends. People would order bread for me. I'd stay up all night baking on Saturday and Mm -hmm. people would show up. And it was, uh, I did a couple farmer's markets before I left the job and realized, all right, this can sell, this can work as a business. And that was when I moved into uh, Be More Kitchen, which is a shared kitchen, like right. Union Kitchen yep. in D.C., uh, mm-hmm. in Baltimore. And I got great advice early on from a restaurateur mentor who said, the reason people can't find good bread in Baltimore is not because there's nobody that knows how to make good bread. It's because... There's not enough of a market for this type of bread. you got to figure out something smarter than just, I'm going to sell bread. Smart. Always kept that in my mind. And every time that my customers would come back to my farmer's market stand, they would tell me about the amazing, delicious grilled cheeses they would make with my product. Decided to sell it back to them. But how did you figure out that you could freeze it? Wait, wait, wait. You're jumping ahead. So we have to take a break. So let us take a break, and then you can ask your question. Welcome okay. to my marriage. Okay. okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We're eating grilled cheese in studio and some delicious bubbly. We'll be back just a sec. All right. We're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Lane Levine, who owns a friendly bread, but makes a very friendly frozen that can then be put in a toaster oven grilled cheese. Or an air fryer. Apparently crisp, air fryer is yeah. the way to do it. But uh, as your as your resident glutton, I just ate one. I, I snarfed it down. It's delicious. It's great. Thank and it is crispy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So people kept telling you at the farmer's markets about these grilled cheeses they were making at home. And was that your light bulb moment? It was the first light bulb in a series, in a string of light bulbs. Okay. We had in a... In a Christmas strand, right? A short Christmas strand, but <laughs> okay. a Christmas strand nonetheless. Mm-hmm. We had a competition at Be More Kitchen called uh, Battle of the Brands, where all the member businesses could present a dish. It was a community event. We had judges that were other uh, food entrepreneurs in the city. And I served up the grilled cheese. And in order to do it quickly, I had pre-made a bunch of them and just heated them up. And I won the contest. Thank you very much. And I had some of those pre-made ones in my fridge in my house. Two days later, we had a party at our house, and people were grabbing them out of the fridge and just eating them. I can't do cold pizza. I can't do cold any cheese. Oh, my God, you are so finicky. I'm very finicky. <laughs> this is my. This is how I succeed. And When your mother stops sucking her thumb and being <laughs> fetal, is she proud of you? <laughs> She's proud, yeah. Yes, of course <laughs> And uh, my friends were eating them out of the fridge. Some of them were even microwaving them. Some of them were putting in the oven, and all of them liked. I mean, the microwave would have caused me great pause. Yeah, well, the microwave. I'd have been like, "That's going to make it mushy." Mushy. There are other microwave bread products out there on the market, mm-hmm. and people eat them. I don't know why, okay. but they do. Okay, so, so your yeah. product because so now everybody you... was stoned. I mean, that's possible. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, this yeah. is stoner food. Um, so now, yeah. <laughs> uh, now that you've made the product, yes. Is this news that it's stoner food? You know, grilled cheese or stoner food, I know. right? Yeah. Okay. We're we're um, we are not stoner. We're targeting not yet. Some, you know, college student markets. Yes, I know. I'm helping you yeah. with that. Okay, <laughs> so uh, let's talk about like how the product came to be yes. and where people can get it. Having people grab it out of the fridge and eat it made me realize I could have a packaged food brand, mm-hmm. and because I did, that's not what I had before. I had a fresh bread brand, right? And I also realized, you know, taking that advice from that restaurateur, like, I couldn't just go on selling fresh bread. We needed something that we could get to more people. And 
packaging and freezing food is a great way to get to more people. It is, but a pa- the packaged food market is not easy. That's it's a not easy. tough market to break into. It's uh, a, a higher barrier to entry. You got to, you know, pay for packaging design that really pops. You got to pay for the packaging itself. Do you have to pay for shelving? Uh, do you have to pay shelving fees too, or they don't charge you that when you're in some of the out? larger grocers that we're about to get into? Um, they are charging slotting fees. There's still deals you can make because you're a smaller business, right. but that is still a But problem. how do you educate the public about the product? Like, are you just, do you have a team that goes out and does tastings? Because I would think a lot of people would see a grilled cheese in, even though your packaging is fabulous, like in the freezer and be like, there's a lot of doubt out there because anytime someone sees a new convenience product, the first response is, I could just make this at home. This is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then they see it a second time and a third time, and they're like, I'm not going to make this at home. I'll buy this. It's like with Spindrift. I was like, I'll squeeze lemon into my own seltzer. There's no way I'm buying this. And then I just buy it every single <laughs> week. You know? So, But, yes, we have a team of demo people that in the local grocery stores, like um, in Baltimore, Eddie's, Growls, Common Market, mm-hmm. Dawson's. Sure. Um, we do tastings all the time uh, to raise awareness. And But it is hard because it's a completely new product. It's not like this is the better well, frozen pizza. How did it it's, start? Take us back to that first retail moment where somebody said, yeah, you know, I'll give this a try. We had another packaged product that we were doing called sourdough toast, which is a gourmet cracker that we sell in Whole Foods and Moms and all that. And every time I would come to retailers and say, I had this great cracker. It's like Raincoast crisps, but, you know, different, better. Um, And here's what we're doing in the future. We're thinking of doing grilled cheese. And they're like, oh, I don't care about the crackers. Tell me about this grilled cheese. Interesting. It um, it's sexy. It's a sexy idea. Um, I had a small grocer in Reisterstown outside Baltimore called Farm Chicks Corner Market, and every week that they would place their order for bread or toast, they'd like kind of jokingly say, "and a case of grilled cheese." And so I knew that people wanted to sell this, and so it drove me to keep developing. The so product. very quickly, because we only have a minute left, what are the so what are the varieties you have available today? Today, the varieties we have available are. Simple country sourdough with extra sharp cheddar and mozzarella. The cheddar is made from is Tillamook cheddar, and the other one is cinnamon raisin sourdough with brie and mozzarella. Delicious. Yes. All right, Lane. Thank you so much for coming in studio today, bringing all your product, coming with your own toaster. Tell everybody, please, where they can find you online and on Instagram. Okay, www.afriendlybread.com. We're at a friendly bread. On Instagram, and our product has now launched in all 160 locations of the Fresh Market, which has a bunch of locations around this area. We're also in all those other local markets like Dawson's Common Market. You know, you were the guy we saw get out of that chauffeur-driven Lambo (laughs) out front. You like that? Yes, very nice. Congratulations. Thanks for joining us. All right, back to Bill Jensen. Okay, so Bill Uh, is trolling me. He brought in a bunch of Rieslings. (laughs) Uh, I I didn't realize that Riesling was quite the bugaboo it is. I'm grateful that I brought... Um, Bugaboo is putting it mildly. <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful that I brought um, Finger Lakes, you know, champers and dry Rieslings for you because they're fabulous pairings mm-hmm. uh, with Lane's grilled cheeses, which are pretty delicious um, and hadn't tried before. So, uh, yeah, thank you for introducing those to me. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I foresee more grilled so, cheeses in my late night future. So you brought in the New York wines today. Is that something that is, uh, you know, really prominent at Tail Up Goat or at Reveler's Hour? Like. What is it about these yeah, lines? Yeah, abs- absolutely. How so we do you opened put that together. We opened um, Tail Up Goat, and there were kind of three different zones we focused on for the sake of the wine list. There, mm-hmm. uh, one was Mediterranean islands because mm-hmm. we're kind of a Mediterranean restaurant. Uh, one was this like 
kind of amorphously defined rivers and streams, which are these like classic river valleys of of the European continent. And then the third was the Eastern Seaboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always wanted to shine a light on local products. I lament the fact that people you know, will go to a farmer's market and buy local produce and then go to a wine wine. store and they don't think of wine as an agricultural product, which it it very much is. And it's subject to all the same forces that exist for the sake of of produce. And, you know, I think, you know, the Virginia wine scene is dynamic and interesting. Maryland has some awesome wineries. But to my mind on the East Coast, the truly like world-class terroir such as it is, is is the Finger Lakes. But but I will just interject and you can disagree with me on it, is that... The Finger Lakes has been producing wine for a lot longer. Virginia has really in the last 30 years. I mean, if you think about the wines coming out of Virginia 30 years ago versus what's yeah. coming out of there today, I mean, the vines need time, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and well, it's, it's kind of a complicated story because the Finger Lakes has been making wine for a long time. A lot of it was non-vinifera wine. So mm-hmm. um, uh, for your, you know, not wine learn nerd kind of listeners, most of the fine wine that we drink comes from the European grapevine species called Vitis vinifera. Um, the American grapevine species like Concord um, and Muscadine mimic wines like Manischewitz, which is still made proudly. Hey, hey, hey. hey. Well, no, no. Still made, I will say like um, I've had some, you know, really it's profound. A to say I've had some profound place. moments with Manischewitz as a 13-year-old at Bethesda Bar Mitzvahs. But, <laughs> you know. I'm getting nauseous just <laughs> No, 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 no. But, and we actually have. Where's Bill? He's locked dude, in the have, boys' room. We have a, we have a, a regular that uh, bases his Thanksgiving turkey with Manischewitz. and That's actually not a bad idea. Swears by it. Swears by it. So nobody's hating on, on Manischewitz and non-Vinifera wines, but the Vinifera wine scene in the Finger Lakes is almost as young as it is in, in Virginia. I'm showcasing Riesling, which is the kind of flagship. It is the noble grape of the Finger Lakes and um, featuring dry Riesling, uh, much to your chagrin, uh, Nikki. Um, this I mean, is it's perfectly fine. <laughs> ringing, ringing endorsement. Uh, this is, to my mind, one of the Finger Lakes' uh, greatest dry Rieslings. It comes from uh, Argett Singer Vineyard um, uh, in the southeast corner of Seneca Lake and uh, Morton Halgren uh, at Ravines is the producer. Excellent. All right. We're All right. Come back to you in a bit with more Riesling. Speaking of Woo-hoo! wine and food, so James Wozniak is the owner and exec chef at Macan. Right? Yep, Macan. Right. I said Macon. I'm a bad boy at you the are. beginning. Macan, Malaysian restaurant, and your. Your story is fascinating. Right, because you're not Malaysian. I don't know if you know that. No. Okay. Y'all are the first uh, to bring that to my attention. Okay, I just wanted to tell you. Yeah. But we've known you for a while. How many Malaysians say y'all? That's the first clue we had. Yeah, that's that's always the killer. That (laughs) always gets me. Let's talk a little bit about your trajectory. How did we wind up here? Um, So I decided to go to culinary school in 2002, Mm -hmm. and I had a grandmother that. was getting on, so I moved to Canada to take care of her. Mm-hmm. There was a school up the street, and they offered culinary or automotive marketing. Mm. And so, God, it could have gone either way, man. Yeah, I was like, well, I don't really care that much about cars, so let me let me try cooking. You know, I can learn to cook my favorite foods and use it as a tool to travel. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, did culinary school up there. Was ready to come back to the states. I had a sister living in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm not from the north. Y'all. I can hear Um, that. Yes. So, um, yeah, decided to come to D.C., got here in 05 and um, just haven't left. And but what um, brought you? So let's let's fast forward. Like what brought you to Malaysian cuisine? I mean, it's not like it's prolific. It's it's um, an interesting cuisine that a mm -hmm. lot of people don't know a lot about. So what was your impetus to get into it? Yeah. So 
I was always kind of curious because I was just reading all sorts of different cookbooks, anything I could get my hands on. Um, and I was in Cambodia working on another, another project, doing some R&D. Um, and I took a layover in Kuala Lumpur, and it was just 15 hours of eating everything. Mm-hmm. Anything I could find, had no direction, knew nothing about Kuala Lumpur. Um, just got off the plane, went into the city, and just... Just started everything. Eating. Yeah, everything I found. I was. It was literally just so creative. So many things, you know, that I recognized and thought I knew what would taste like, and then I would take that first bite and just like, this is, like, what is this? I, well, so for people who aren't familiar with the cuisine, can you walk us through it a little bit? Because I think a lot of people may want to try Malaysian cuisine mm-hmm. and they want to come to your restaurant, but they're afraid. They don't know what to order. Right. They don't know yep. what to do. So. What are the flavors we're looking at? What does it taste like? And what are the sort of, you know, uh, proteins you use and the textures and vegetables and things like that? Yeah, so uh, lots of Southeast Asian ingredients, you know, the lemongrass, lime leaf, coconut milk, turmeric, galangal, everything like that. Um, And then you have lots of Chinese and Indian influence, Mm. also some Portuguese, Dutch, British, and then you border Thailand. Mm. So... Um, so the only thing that's not in there is Tex-Mex, it sounds like. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. I do have biscuits for uh, brunch on Sundays, so yes. Well, you have to bring some of your home. Yeah, you know. So what happens, because I, w- I would imagine with Bill it's the same thing if somebody comes in and doesn't know wines. You've got, you know, they say to your server, uh, uh, you know. I, I don't see, know. It, how does somebody, how do how you. How do I start? Yes. Yeah, so we'll just ask, um, you know, maybe just like a protein or what you're looking for, and then we can build around that. So use rice as the blank palette, mm-hmm. and then kind of just fill in the blanks with different textures, flavors, proteins, you know, some pickles, and really just load up the table. Um, Are people afraid of the spices that they don't know? I mean, are they worried no, it's going to be too It's a pretty or... educated area, though. Yeah. I mean, you're not yeah. dealing with people who yeah, don't know. Yeah, but you know. said, you mentioned something I don't even remember. Is it Galong? Galongal. Galongal. Like a cousin to ginger. Like, okay. I mean, but you think We'll leave that one out. We just usually no. stick to the right. ginger, lemongrass, right. coconut. We'll okay. say that. But yeah, if, if people want the deep cuts, then we'll, we'll uh, deep cuts. <laughs> we'll, uh, talk deep. to them about that. Are you that. the boss with the hot sauce? You are, aren't <laughs> yes. you? All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about more of the things that are on the menu. And then yep. you have a bar downstairs. There's a lot going on. Yep. This definitely. is uh, David and Nikki Nellis. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to James Wozniak of uh, Makan, Malaysian restaurant. He owns it. He's the executive chef. He's the man with the plan. Tell us about the actual dishes. Like, yeah, like what, you brought in I a bunch in, of stuff today. Yeah, what are what we, are we eating? All right. So today we have uh, beef rendang. Mm-hmm. It's a dry beef curry, probably one of our most popular dishes. it's delicious. Hot, 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 yeah. or not so hot? No, lower no. lower in spice, um, big in flavor. I mean, do you what ever eat a, something oh, there and cry? Do I? Yeah. No. He's no. Like, I no. cry? No. no. Oh, look how gorgeous. Look at that. Um, so, but is the food spicy? Is there a lot of heat in the food? Uh, they There's chilies throughout everything, uh, mm-hmm. but nothing is like over the top spicy. There are mm-hmm. I'll be the devil curries um, and things like that that are very spicy. But for the most part, it's just like a, a subtle, subtle heat. Um, but you can always get chilies on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what it then, is? It's beautiful. I mean, the just the... So tell us what we got. Let's point... What's this? So the menu design, I had some approachable dishes to get, you know, the chicken satays, paneer satays, mm-hmm. um, charcoal tiaoza, flat rice noodle, very famous from Penang. And then there's some... That flat rice noodle is like super doughy. I love that yeah, flat rice nice noodle. Nice, chewy, yeah. smoky. Yum. 
Um, but the shrimp dish here, there's a patai. It's a stink bean. And uh-huh. there's a few dishes on there that what I What a happy name in. for that bean. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of almost like a, a fava bean, but funky. Mm-hmm. Um, like shiitake kind of petrol flavor. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, we have... I am Goring's fried chicken with a salted duck yolk. I love curry leaves. So there's fresh curry leaf in there. Right. Um, I will uh, say Bill laksa. did an excellent job of pairing the wines to everything that's in studio yes. today. <laughs> Definitely you did. Earned your, you earned your Michelin. You did. You totally uh, earned it. Uh, th- yeah, this is, this is like kismet. Um, <laughs> and honestly, James, it's really exciting to meet you. Uh, my, w- my wife and I, just for the sake of shameless plugs, live like mere block and change away from uh, Macon and love dining at the patio there. It's it's if you haven't so been, good. you have to go. Yeah, it's so good. So Let let's talk go. about the bar. An unsolicited yep. testimony. Yeah. So Thirsty Crow, talk. About, it's downstairs. Yep. So Thirsty Crow is downstairs from Macon. Uh, when we took over the place, uh, it had twenty four draft lines. So we kept those. Okay, oh, uh, because it was Meridian Pint. It was Meridian Pint. Yep. And so we kept the draft lines. They're upstairs and downstairs. And we kept the downstairs as a sports bar, pool tables, mm-hmm. uh, and we just did a new menu down there. Um, and it's kind of just is southeast that Asian. Like, what yep. is it? It's just um, some of my favorite things: small bites. There's a, a northern Thai uh, sour sausage. There's dandan mien, sesame noodles. There's yep. some beef rendang croquetas. Um, so really, just lots of fun things to eat to drink mm-hmm. with. You know, pair with beer. Um, and then, yeah, full cocktail program. No, no grilled cheese? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. We're so going to talk, though. So let's talk about brunch. Look at Lane Perk up I over there. I mean, D.C. is a brunch town. Mm-hmm. But in Malaysia, are they big brunchers, breakfast eaters? Are we just are – you, are you making it for the D.C. market? Yeah, more for D.C. market um, – because it's, it's not so much brunch. There are like, you know, early afternoon dishes and morning dishes. Mm-hmm. And so this is just a, a bunch of dishes that I've eaten through the country. And, you know, I'll eat something and just, it, I just know. It's like, this is a brunch dish. We right. have a um, roti banjir, which is like the flaky flatbread with a mackerel curry. And uh, yum. Um, yeah, obviously we have biscuits with kaya, which is like a coconut pandan kind of custard. Mm-hmm. Um, nasi ganja, it's rice with coconut chutney, um, some sambal, piece of fried chicken, almost like a Malaysian hot chicken. Sounds like you need ganja to eat sussy ganja. <laughs> yeah. That, okay. And just checking. Yeah. Named ganja for the addictive qualities oh, okay, of okay. the, uh, the dish. <laughs> so go. Sure. All right. So we haven't told people, uh, where you are, where is it located? So we are at the corner of 11th and Park Northwest, mm-hmm. um, 3400 11th Street Northwest, right across from the dog park. Um, and I just want to say one last thing before we wrap up with you. So yep. the last, not the last time I was in, but the last time I saw you, <clears throat> you were just about to cook for the Malaysian ambassador at the embassy. And that is really high praise for the food that you're doing. Yeah. Yep. It was the prime minister um, and all his, all bunch of the uh, the ministers he brought over for the ASEAN mm-hmm. uh, meeting with Biden and, and Harris. So, yeah, it was very unique. Um, no pressure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was just a very, very amazing experience. And, you know, got to, to meet him and say a couple words. And Well, not only that, it just shows that they appreciated the way you took the cuisine from their country mm-hmm. and brought it here, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm very lucky, everyone from the embassy, and there's so many people um, here supporting and just, you know, just really in the corner and just hyping us up. And uh, it's a really good feeling. And, 
you know, I can't wait for the future and just keep changing things and pushing. I Although I kind of feel like, I mean, we'll be with the vice president tonight. We will be with the vice president tonight. So, I mean, tonight. and... Uh, True. We were also supposed to be with Nancy Pelosi, but she will not be there. to Paul Pelosi yes, for a please. fast recovery. But uh-huh. yes, I mean, we'll be with Kamala tonight. Okay. So, I mean, James. Anyway. Well, we have space. Okay. We actually have a, a, a three top ready for y'all. Okay, okay great. Uh, please tell everybody where they can find you online and on Instagram, please. On Instagram, uh, Thirsty Crow on Instagram and Macon DC mm-hmm. and... I mean, if you want to follow me and look at my stupid stuff, it's just James Wozniak. Okay. All right, Instagram. James. We're going to follow you. That's what's going to happen. Let's do All it. Right, I'm Bill. following you now. Done. Let's do more Riesling. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk me through you sound, it. Talk you sound, me through you, it, Bill. You sound, you sound so excited. Uh, yeah, I'm holding it. her up right now. Okay. Okay. I didn't intentionally it. troll you for the sake of the Riesling. <laughs> you want that noted for the record. Um, it did happen to be a, you know... Yeah, a little bit of uh, kismet for the sake of the the menu, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to showcase two Rieslings to, you know, really, um, you know, give you a sense of the diversity of mm-hmm. styles uh, for the sake of dry Riesling in the Finger Lakes. And, and for most of your listeners, I think this notion of a dry Riesling might seem like an oxymoron. But mm-hmm. the most serious, the greatest Rieslings, some of the greatest Rieslings in the world are the dry ones. And, uh, you know, the dry white wines from this grape are just superlatively delicious, and the Finger Lakes makes a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two I brought, the first one uh, that you really liked was from uh, Ravines, uh, and it's a single vineyard offering called Algetzinger, uh, named after, Algetzinger rather, named after the family of growers that works with this vineyard on the southeast side mm-hmm. of Seneca Lake. The second one is called The Knoll, uh, the one you just drank from Kelby Russell at- And that's uh, a funkier, that's a much funkier one. It's a little, yeah, it's a little funkier. It shows yeah. a little more like tropical fruit. Um, that's a like a vineyard variation. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more limestone in Argetsinger, which gives you this like racy kind of savory uh, profile, the knoll, uh, more kind of like like water retentive site, uh, uh, warmer site on the south west side of the lake gives you these more opulent fruit characters but um the way kelby makes his wine it always has this kind of bright snap to attention mm-hmm. on the back end that i utterly adore and i am you know a riesling stan as are a lot of psalms man yeah you i know i know, your I know. all right uh, listen man we got to cut you yeah no worries we're at pour what you're gonna pour next <laughs> sure and sure. then you're um, a silver tongue tongue devil with a radio right, voice and then we'll wrap there. you up at the end okay. <laughs> all right so Stefano Marzano, who should call himself Stefano, we're going to work on this, is number one Italian, number two president and founder and culinary director of Mighty Meals. They are healthy meals prepared for you by local chefs and delivered uh, uh, with, uh, you guys use locally sourced ingredients, everything's new menus every week, it's pretty cool. Where did this, what, and I want to say... His parents owned Louis Gino back in the 90s downtown, oh. which is where I used to eat all the time. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. So uh, the journey started in 2015. I met my two co-founding partners at Gold's Gym, no point intended, which mm-hmm. um, my two founding partners are Dan Graziano and Alex LeBonnet. So they come from a fitness background. I come from a culinary background. And uh, my, my founding partner, Dan, was actually cooking for his clients, and obviously he's not the best cook, so... He came to me with the idea, and then we brought Alex, and it kind of meshed into this thing. And I was 20 years old when the company started. I'm now 28. We're on year seven, and it, it, it's turned into something I never imagined it could. And um, we've been riding the wave. We rode the wave through COVID, and we pivoted and adapted well, it where we needed. it sort of sounds like, like COVID, like it was 
It sounded like you caused COVID. No, but it's sort of ready-made for COVID, right? Like already prepared meals. Like you were ahead of the game when you think about it because so many people all of a sudden had to turn around and like pack up their food, which they weren't already doing. So can you talk about the process of how you came up with the menus? For, because I, I assume initially it was for a clientele who worked out, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was for a clientele that worked out and more fitness driven. So all the meals are health conscious. We have over 100 menu items on the menu that rotate weekly. But we soon realized that, you know, in the metropolitan area, convenience really sells. So we wanted to create something for, you know, the more general public from nurses to busy moms, busy, you know, millennials to fitness individuals. So our, our menu is very diverse. And, you know, I think we have something for everyone that just wants to live a healthy, conscious lifestyle. Right. But so how does that, how does that get affected? How are you making that happen? Like, what do these meals look like? Where do people get them? What's in them? And how do people, you know, incorporate them in their lives? How does that work? And they're locally sourced. So from where, where, where does it all come from? Yeah, absolutely. So we're an e-commerce business. So you can find us at mightymeals.com. All our meals are made fresh, delivered fresh, um, everything's packaged in-house from start to finish, and we do all our deliveries in-house, too, in our refrigerated vehicles. So we have um, we source locally, obviously, when accessible, depending on seasons, mm-hmm. and our menu follows seasons very um, closely. So some but what items. Does it, okay, I'm still missing what I'm looking for here. What's in it? So, like, if I order a meal, what does it look like? And uh, what is sourced? Is it meat that's sourced? Is it veggies that's sourced? And how are you cooking them and presenting them? And then how does it arrive on my door? Yeah, so everything comes in a bag. Everything's ready to eat packaged. So we have items such as, like, a basil pesto chicken with a summer orzo salad all the way to, like, a kum pao chicken with cilantro jasmine rice to carnitas pulled tacos to spaghetti and meatballs. We have Mm -hmm. breakfast items. We also do proteins, uh, vegetables, and carbs by the pound for someone that kind of wants to put their own meals together, depending on their dietary restrictions and whatnot. So there's a little bit of everything on the menu. Everything's ready to eat. We have cold and hot menu items as well. So So, because in my head, I'm picturing like like a TV dinner, like, you know, like you pull the plastic off and the meal is there. Is that how it comes? Like, or is it coming in other containers? Like, how is it arriving? And are people like ordering meals so that they have it all week or they order? Like, what are, what's your usual customer like? Yeah, so we deliver four times a week. Our usual customer do, does like a two-day split. So Wednesday, Saturday, and they'll order for, you know, the next three days. Mm-hmm. The meals come in, um, right now, plastic containers. We are in the process of changing to green, sustainable, uh, biodegradable containers. Great. And... It's like a gourmet TV dinner. I mean, I know people get that's okay, a but weird that, taste but in their mouth when they hear TV dinner. No, but it gives everybody a visual of like what it is. So I don't think that's a negative at right, all. Right. It's eleva- it's definitely, you know, it's elevated. I mean, we we cook on demand. We don't pre-cook anything. All our all our ingredients are prepared fresh, made fresh, delivered fresh. So everything, you know, the shelf life is about five to six days because we make everything per order. We mm-hmm. don't batch cook and, and cook ahead. So it doesn't come frozen. It comes fresh. No. no it comes everything around. is sourced fresh, prepared fresh, cooked fresh, delivered fresh. Amazing. All right. We have to take a quick break. But when we come back, um, I have a bunch of more questions. Sounds okay. good. <laughs> All right. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Stefano Mazzano of Mighty Meals. Mm-hmm. I have a question. The meal that Nikki would eat and finish is 
candidly smaller than the meal that I would eat and finish. I feel like that's a gauntlet thrown. No, it's not a gauntlet thrown. You're, I have a you, healthy appetite. You have a healthy appetite, but you're also, I don't know, what are you, 98 pounds. Mm-hmm. I'm twice that. That's right. I know I look thin. <laughs> but So the question is, is, is there a kind of a volume control for your, your, your clients? How does that work so that I get a meal that satisfies me and she gets a meal that isn't, you know, over the top? Yeah, absolutely. So the beauty about Mighty Meals is we're no subscription, and we wrote we have over 120 menu items at any given time on the menu. So we have something for an indi- a bigger guy like you, yeah. that, you know, a little more calorie heavy, more man. carb dense, mm-hmm. or something a little more lighter like yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, a low carb salad, or you know, just proteins and veggies. So there's there's a little bit of everything for everyone. Got it. And when you started, you said you know you were starting in the fitness space, and you're doing these fresh meals. How do you go about, like, do you have to calorie count things? Do you have to carb count things? Are people on keto? Like, how do you address people's ways of eating, especially in the fitness world? Absolutely. So I come from a background of Italian culinary, obviously. Mm-hmm. We eat. Amazing food, not the most healthiest. So that's where my co-founding partners, Dan and Alex, really came in because they came from the fitness background mm-hmm. and health and nutrition. So they really, you know, they pulled the reins and they told, Steph, no, you can't, you know, no butter, no no heavy cream, you know, all the, all the stuff that makes food good. Mm-hmm. I had to relearn and reincorporate and figure it out. I'm about eight years in with Mighty Meals, so I've really learned how to cook tasty meals in a healthy way. Okay, but are people asking for that kind of info? Do you guys have to provide? Yeah. You have to provide all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Count, carb so, count, all of it. On our website, we do all the ingredient breakdown and full macronutrients, so you know exactly what you're getting. And also you can take our meals. A lot of our clientele plug them into MyFitnessPal. So they can track their macros on a daily through that. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that is smart. And when you're thinking of new menu items, are you thinking in that way? Are you thinking, okay, so I want to add more spinach or more kale, or I want to add more things to increase the value, the nutritional value of a dish? Are you thinking that way? Or are you like, no, I just want to Or do I want to have a Malaysian theme? Right, right. Honestly, I, I, I really just, I look at the menu and I look at what I like to eat, whether it's healthy or not. Usually what I like to eat, honestly, isn't the most healthiest, you know? I'm Italian. I like pasta. I like carbs. You know, but, but pasta isn't unhealthy. I well, eat a ton of pasta. I can eat a whole box of pasta right. by myself. <laughs> In Italy, when you see this, these flocks of cyclers going straight up a hill, half of them have guts hanging over the, 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 the bicycle older seat. Ones. But they're, the older they're ones. piping up that hill pretty quickly. I mean, so. we know. I mean, you're obviously in very good shape. I mean, we know Don't a lot look, of she's looking Italians at me now. who are in <laughs> super good shape. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I am not anti-carb. I, I, I'm a full believer in eating carbs. No doubt. And we have – so the, the beauty about Mighty Meals is when I make dishes, a lot of it is portion control. You know, mm-hmm. like all ingredients are – everything's good in, in moderation, right? And that's why I think Mighty Meals is so special because you can have, you know, you can get that carb fix that you like in moderation and sure. portion size. A lot of the problem, I think, with people when they eat, they it's don't. Portion. It's portion control, right? Totally. So if you just have that, you know, someone or a company like Mighty Meals doing that for you, you know, you can eat what you want and, and still live a healthy stop. lifestyle. Right. Well, point. and actually, I think it really addresses what David was saying earlier. The truth is, the portion that I would eat is not about my size or my needs. I'm eating the appropriate portion. Correct. He just wants a bigger portion because he wants a bigger portion. It's not because of his weight. Correct. It's, I mean. Because I'm a gluton. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, I mean, you didn't say that, but that's really the truth. He doesn't need more. He, he wants, wants more. more. <laughs> exactly. No, no. I need more. <laughs> he doesn't. So what's next for you guys? 
What's yes. like what's the goal? You guys are eight years in or what's next for you all? So um what's next for us? We we currently acquired a, a building in Gainesville. It's about sixteen thousand square feet. So mm. we're going through construction and delays because supply chain's a mess right now in the yes, world we're living in. But uh, we plan to be there in January, and hopefully within two to three months of that, we'll be shipping all up and down the East Coast from the Mississippi River, pretty much east. Congratulations. Right. That's amazing. But how will it ship to keep – because it won't be frozen. So. No. No, it'll still be delivered fresh. So we're working um, – uh, we we brought on a logistics officer to help with that whole cold chain of keeping the meals 42 degrees and below for about 50 hours. Mm. And then we're also working with um, a natural shelf life extension – to be able to deliver meals fresh. And so is that refrigerated get... trucks or is that dry ice or what? how do you do that? So we're trying to go green as far as our packaging. So we're working with sustainable uh, insulator and then we'll be making our gel packs in-house actually to lower right. our because carbon footprint. Because we get, we get the farmer's dog for our dogs. Okay, it yeah. Comes the, it comes with its cornstalk insulator right. with dry ice. Yep. Cornstarch. That keeps it. Cornstarch, sorry, mm-hmm. not cornstalk. Mm-hmm. That would be too big. Okay. Uh, but but it it's frozen. And so that keeps it frozen. So that's an interesting challenge you have. All right, listen, we have to wrap up. I want to talk more. I know you do. Right. After um, the show. Can you yeah. tell everybody, please, where we can find you online and on Instagram? Absolutely. Because you're prolific on Instagram. Oh, yeah, we try. We, we like to keep it fun and, um, you know, not take it so seriously. Well, it is food. Um, so you can find us on uh, com, and then our Instagram is at eatmightymeals. Thank you You're so the man. much. Thank Great you. All right, Great. Bill. All right, Bill. We got four well, minutes. I got a quick question for Bill. Okay. So you're the psalm at a restaurant. Two restaurants. Tail up goat. No, no, but I'm at saying. At Rebler's Hour. I'm, uh, no. Are you their PR person? Hold on a second. I'm just trying to get this across. <laughs> we, don't, so, we don't have a PR so you've person. Got a, so. <laughs> you've got it. Well, no. <laughs> we you, need all the help we can get. You've, yeah. got, you've got a wine cellar. So, do you, I mean, in other words, the wines that you pair with your foods, uh-huh. okay, with today's menu, when you start changing up the menu, what does that do to your wine cellar? Or is you it- try to, I, I try to think about it as like an artist. So you know, you try to keep enough, you know, kind of colors on hand that you can, you know, paint whatever you want, and you can work with. So you don't whatever go, yeah, now we got forty-eight cases of, you know. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it happens. Order, though, yeah, right? sometimes sometimes it happens, but no, no. Usually, it's it's a case of time, and you know, in some restaurants, they're ordering that much wine at a, at a single time, but that's just not the side of the business I'm on. Well, but you're you are specific in your uh, wine lists. They're both pretty boutiquey. The, you're yeah, not they're, you're not they're, carrying a lot of big. You names. could say boutiquey. You could say nerdy. Whatever. However you want to characterize it. But yeah, they're you know we are carrying things from the kind of people that we want to do business with, which is to say you know smaller artisanal producers, mm-hmm. you know who kind of traffic in passion products, and we try to keep wines around that will appeal to everyone for the sake of like different flavor profiles and you know kind of um versatile enough to go with any kind of food but mm-hmm. it might not be the wine that you're familiar with you well, know for the sake of a particular flavor right. profile. but i lost yeah. the thread of this is it is it mostly american wines or is it it's a little bit of everything no, yeah yeah it's, it's, it's sardinian like, wines uh, sorry Sardinian we can talk wine? About uh, you, are, are you people Sardinian? We just came back. Oh, you just came back. That's right. Uh, no, yeah. We, we we have Sardinian wine. I love Sardinian wine. I mean, we we love it all. Uh, okay. You know, honestly, like I, I love everything. And, you know, the fun thing about the wine world is that it's bigger than it's ever been. And there is more great wine being made in more great places than ever before, including the Finger Lakes for the sake of what you're drinking now, which is right. from uh, Herman J. Beamer. This is very uh, Truly one of the standard bearers, uh, uh, the west coast of Seneca Cabernet Lake. Um, Fred 
um, uh, Merwath and Oscar Bink, uh, current owners, uh, took it over from Herman. Uh, this is Cab Franc. Mm-hmm. Great Thanksgiving wine. Uh, like, this mm. is the pretty side of Cab Franc. It's like it's raspberries good. with a side of dried herbs in the best possible way. And uh, hugely elegant. And and honestly, like, the kind of wine that goes with almost any type of dish. He has the best vocabulary ever. <laughs> well, the, well, no. So, hugely I mean, elegant. So much, so much of what I do tableside is, is a, it's more about talking than it is about wine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's this, like... You know, Psalms kind of have to have the gift of gab a little bit. Some do, some don't. Uh, some, some do more. Speak to me, Bill. Speak to me. Okay, okay. So uh, let's just tell everybody, please, Bill, where we can find you. You have two restaurants. We didn't even touch on Reveler's Hour. We'll have to do uh, it again. Thank you so much. No, so it's a, mention that's, both. Tell us where we can find you. It's so exciting you. to be here with you all. Um, so uh, Tail Up Goat uh, and Reveler's Hour are both in Adams Morgan. Uh, you can find us online at Tail Up Goat at Reveler's Hour. Um, Tail Up Goat is kind of a, a set menu. Um, uh, so uh, 98 bucks a person uh, with wine pairings if you're so inclined. Reveler's Hour is the city's premier wine and pasta bar. As far as I know, the city's only wine and pasta bar. And but it's uh, delicious yeah. too. All right, thanks so much for coming in. Do you have anything to say before I wrap I do. Us up? It's okay. the, the usual drum that I bang. Um, uh, the war in Ukraine is, uh, fortunately the Ukrainians are pushing the Russians out, but it's a mess. And there are still millions of refugees mm-hmm in and out of Ukraine. So open up your wallet. I don't care if it's a buck. I don't care if it's 10 bucks. Give it to Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen. Give it to the Red Cross. Give it where it'll do some good. But don't forget them because that's now the front line against craziness. And we want to remind everybody that um, you can vote now in Maryland. So get out there and vote. This election is very important. We are not a political show, but unfortunately, politics does bleed into. We are not a political show, but if you vote for West, that's good. Okay, but uh, politics does bleed into uh, how you eat, how things are grown and what happens. So think about climate change. Think about your farmer. Think about your farmer's market. All these things are really important. I do want to remind everybody, as I do on every show, to please take your kindness pills before you go out to eat. There are staff shortages. There are delays going on everywhere. It is not the restaurant's intent to have you experience a bad time. They want you to come back, and they want you to tell everybody that it was delicious. So just think about that when you're out, and just take a deep breath. Anyway, we thank you all for joining us today. Don't forget everything you uh, heard on here today. You can find on the list, areyouonit.com, and follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you all for joining us today. Everybody in studio was terrific and delicious. And you out there have a delicious week. <laughs>